How would you like to feel loved, stop fighting, and get your needs met with an unreserved yes? Can you imagine how excited you would be to come home to that kind of loving relationship every day? With just three daily practices that you can learn right here, you'll be able to keep such a loving excitement sizzling long after the honeymoon stage. And with such controls in your hands, you can feel secure that your X's and O's will never again become X's and woes. Now here's your host, Cheryl Herbst, the world's simplest relationship strategist. Hello, everyone. I'm Cheryl Herbst, and I want to warmly welcome you to this episode, too of X's and O's, not X's and woes. I know that you've got lots of options, so I promise you that the strategy I'm going to unfold for you today has the ability to keep your X's and O's from ever becoming X's and woes again. So think about it. Have you ever failed at relationships you once thought you would love forever? If yes, then you know the kind of impact that such failure makes on your ability to open up and trust yourself or a new partner again, don't you? And when you carry such baggage into your next soulmate adventure, how much more difficult is it to keep from sabotaging that relationship? If you had a way to start now and build a relationship you could love long after the honeymoon stage was over, how many more failed soulmates could you save your heart from enduring? So if you're ready to realize that soulmate hunting is, at its very best, a weak strategy, then stay tuned to hear a better strategy, one that actually works. Come journey with me for a moment and allow yourself to imagine, or at least try to imagine, a relationship where you got your needs met with an unreserved yes. Fighting melted away into curiosity and compassion. And you felt fully loved. Who would ever want to leave such a relationship? If you didn't have a lack of love, unfulfilled needs, and fighting, eroding away at your happiness, how much more excited could you be to come home to your partner year after year? How many other problems would just disappear in your relationships if you simply felt loved got your needs met with a smile, and weren't fighting all the time. Fighting is what makes you feel drained and unseen and unheard, isn't it? Bargaining for your needs allows resentments to infiltrate into your relationship, don't they? And when your partner tells you, in whatever way that they do, that they love you, but you don't feel it like you used to, irritations and petty annoyances also infiltrate, don't they? And you wonder why, over time, those distances between you and your partners began to grow? So can you see how solving just these three things could completely change the outcome of relationship failure? If yes, then it only takes three practices, three best practices. One for keeping love from dying, one for getting your needs met with a smile, and one for ending fighting to keep love glowing long after the honeymoon stage is over, doesn't it? When you can execute just these three practices daily, then you can change the outcome. You can take control. And when you are in control, you can build a relationship that is right for you versus hoping to stumble upon a right relationship. And when you know you can do it because you have the knowledge and the tools to do it, then where does the feelings of being a victim go? So once again, 
If you solve how to keep love from dying, how to get your needs met with an unreserved yes, and how to melt fighting into curiosity and compassion, how long do you think you could keep that new relationship sizzle glowing long after your honeymoon stage is over? And with efficient focus on just three problems, you'll be able to reduce the amount of time and the amount of effort that it takes to keep love in your life now. How much simpler is it to solve just three underlying causes than all the myriad of problems most of you have spent time trying to solve, and to no avail? You see, my strategy is based on the idea that all those relationship problems you thought you had, well, they were not really problems at all. They were merely the symptoms, the weeds, growing out of poorly nourished soil. The real problems underlying those weeds were truly only three. Love dined, bargaining for needs, and fighting. Those deeper, more root causes were negatively nourishing all the weeds that invaded your once lovely garden. So all you need for success is just three best practices. The three best practices that I've chosen for solving these three root causes of relationship failure are going to look at your communication habits. And that's really good news. What that means is that there's really nothing to do. Hmm. It's an internal shift, not a long list of actions that you have to execute like so many other coaches put out. Don't you ever find that annoying? I do. When I listen to the answers that coaches give online, I just want to shudder. Ooh, I saw one the other day that said the 32 things you can do to keep love alive. Yikes! How complicated can that be? I don't think I've ever seen a list of less than 10, though, have you? Well, my strategy, because it looks at the root causes of relationship failure, brings the solution down to only three practices. And they are no more complicated than learning how to speak differently. How much simpler or more doable is that? So let's talk about communication for a moment. One of the more interesting things I've noted in coaching hundreds of people is that listeners tend to hear the words being spoken, but speakers tend to hear the intentions behind their own words. So the speaker has a harder time understanding how their own words are impacting their listener. Thus, they become blindsided to how they could be the cause of the feedback that they are getting. Obviously, that leads to thinking it's the listener who is at fault. When we hear intentions instead of words, we tend to be more empathetic, don't we? Thus, we are quite empathetic to our own thoughts, but not so much with others. Yet for those times when we do understand where someone else is coming from, how does that change our reaction? How many times have you heard someone complain about another person you might know better? And how many times have you said, well, you just don't know them the way that I do. If you knew them like I do, you'd understand. Dot, 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 fill in the blank. I remember a time when I was a student at Hypnosis Motivational Institute in L.A. We had to watch a gazillion hours, it seemed, of the school's headmaster giving free hypnotherapy sessions to people off the street that agreed to be videotaped. There was this one video of a man whose problem I can't really remember, but I do remember my reaction to him. I thought he should be run through a wood chipper feet first alive because I thought he was the most reprehensible person I'd ever listened to. So can you imagine my surprise when just 15 minutes later, I felt compassion for this man? As the headmaster dug underneath this man's behavior and way of expressing himself, I began to see the hurt and the pain locked into his heart. 
and I honestly felt sorry about the way he was going about lashing out at the world for not feeling loved enough. The solution for me then was no longer to get angry with him about his expression, but rather to be curious about other ways he could be helped to feel more love. He simply lacked the knowledge of how to get his needs met in a win-win way. He obviously wanted to, that's why he was there looking for a solution. So when you think about it, looking to others to change their behavior and their words so that you and I can be at peace is a long, slow way of achieving success. And it puts us in the victim mode. Because what is being a victim? It's having the controls in someone else's hands. So if you want to control, which you need if you want to actually solve your relationship problem, then looking at how your words are creating resistance to the very ideas that you're trying to negotiate can give it to you. In neurolinguistic programming, which I also have a master's certification in, we think of it as the user's guide to the brain. Through its studies of successful practitioners, it has come to many conclusions that are part of its fundamental belief system. One that I especially appreciate is that everyone is doing the best they can with what they know at any moment of time. This means that you are doing your best to grow beautiful flowers in your relationship garden too, and so is your partner. Both of you end up growing weeds, not because you don't care, but because you lack the knowledge of how to be better gardeners. But as Oprah is often heard saying, when you know better, you do better. So once you learn the techniques for gardening relationships that actually work, then how much easier is it to change failure into success? But isn't what I'm preaching here just common sense? How many skills have you already applied such a strategy to? Isn't that how you learn to dress yourself, for example? Isn't that how you learn to do your task at your job, as another example? Or to do the hobbies that you have? Once you learned the little tricks of the trade, the techniques that worked, your frustrations turned into success, true? So stop and really process that for a moment. How would your relationships change for the better if you had the skill to create an environment where you did feel fully loved, got your needs met with an unreserved yes, and your fighting melted away into curiosity and compassion? How much happier, more stable, and more productive would your life be? And can you afford to waste another year holding back in fear or hesitation when you now have an opportunity to create what you want? Then all you need is just three basic practices for bringing three core nutrients to your relationship soil. What you don't need, however, is a dozen different ideas on how to provide those nutrients. What you do need is one best practice for each that gets results for anyone who effectively uses them. And that is what this show has to offer you. One simple and effective solution for each root cause. And guess what? You don't need to figure out what those are. I've already spent years figuring this out. And now I'm eager to share them with you. So stay tuned to next week's episode when we begin to unfold the first of the three practices that will keep love glowing long after the honeymoon stage is over in your relationships. So thank you for tuning in. And are you remembering from the last episode to go to my website, Afraid to Love Again, to get your free PDF copy of my book? It's called How to Keep Your X's and O's from Becoming X's and Woes. 
It's a short read, but it'll give you the basics of what to do and how to do it so that your X's and O's never again become X's and woes. You can find the link in the show notes, so click on it today and start creating the love life you always wanted. We thank you for tuning in to X's and O's, not X's and woes. We know you have many options, so we promise this podcast series to be a good investment in you. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe. We're also eager to hear how well you liked it, so please rate and review us on whichever channel you use. Remember, the goal is for you to feel safe so you can open up to love again and know that you can keep it glowing for decades to come. It is possible and you can do it. You're not alone. So let's do this thing and do it together. We'll see you next time.